0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.
1: In these darkest of dark days, the angelic message echoes across the century. Fear not. Fear is stealing our peace. Fear takes our time and rips us away from freedom. Fear is a thief of joy. Jesus was born into a particularly fearful time. People were being terrorized by the kingdoms of King Herod and of Rome. Jesus, however, spoke of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. If he had wanted to stay out of politics, He could have spoken of the family or community of God, but he invoked a kingdom of nonviolence, justice, and love. Along the way, he got good and mad in the temple, calling those hawking their wares a den of thieves, because they had made it a center of collaboration with Roman imperial rule and taxation. And in the final week of his life, He entered Jerusalem on a donkey, unarmed, speaking truth to power, preaching of a coming reign of justice and peace. Obviously, Jesus' challenge to the authorities angered some very powerful people. His life was ended with a political execution, the same crucifixion used by Rome for those who defiantly rejected imperial authority. But tonight, we celebrate his birth. And given the context of his life, how extraordinary that as the star appeared, the angel said, fear not. Fear has its place. Our survival depends on it. Triggered in the most primitive part of our brain, fear alerts us to danger, fight, flight, or freeze. It gets our attention like a fire alarm. But once it's activated, its job is done. Keeping it on after you've noted it doesn't make things better. Turning it up only makes things worse. It makes you alert, but it isn't the solution. Fear, like fire alarms, can't put out fires. Competing top 10 fears lists include failure, success, dying, intimacy, spiders flying, public speaking, heights, the dark, rejection. But nowhere does the saber-toothed tiger appear, probably since it died out about 12,000 years ago. The stakes are much lower now, but fear takes up much more space in our lives than it's due. It has a way of striking, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror in our lives. It's a debilitating dictator, penetrating the heart, poisoning the spirit, and paralyzing us emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Some even say fear is more powerful than love. Don't believe it. Love is so much more powerful than fear. And fear and love cannot coexist. British psychologist Robert Robert Holden writes, while traveling through Bodh Gaya, I met a Buddhist monk who gave me the single most useful piece of advice about how to relate to fear. He told me, when you are afraid, don't say, I'm afraid, say instead, I am with fear. When you say, I'm afraid, you are identified with your fear, your entire sense of self contracts in fear. But when you say, I am with fear, you are no longer defined by fear. Being with fear invites a spirit of curiosity a space opens in which love can work a miracle. What if each time we felt fear, we made a choice to turn to love, to focus on loving and being loved? What if we decide to choose love over fear? Fear not. Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel has my favorite fear not directive. Whenever an angel says, don't be afraid, he writes, you'd better start worrying. A big assignment is on the way. At 17 years old, Malala Yousafzai was the youngest Nobel laureate in history, a fierce advocate for education for girls. At the age of 14, returning home from school one day, she was shot by a member of the Taliban. She writes, I told myself, Malala, you have already faced death. This is your second life. If you're afraid, you can't move forward. Don't be afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the choice to live fearlessly, to feel the fear and do it anyway. Courage is the choice to love and to risk joy. Fear is a call to action. I don't want revenge on the Taliban, said Malala. I want education for the sons and daughters of the Taliban, fear not. From the sublime to the ridiculous, the fearless among us have a sense of curiosity, wonder, enthusiasm, and adventure. In the movie, we bought a zoo. The Matt Damon character is speaking to his son about girls. You know, he says, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Many years ago, backpacking in the Grand Canyon, Cam and I were rerouted from a trail that had been destroyed by flood to a trail that hadn't been maintained for half a century. Crossing a new avalanche field, the rocks began to shift. The fallaway to the bottom was half a mile. I felt fear. The entire trip, in fact, was marked with fear. Meeting a father climbing out with his young son who had been brutalized by the 115 degree heat and a pair of hikers who couldn't find water. Losing the trail in the dark and that sixth sense that we were being stalked by a mountain lion. Me tripping and falling on the narrow trail perilously close to the edge. Climbing out on the final afternoon, focused on the canyon rim and a vision of kneeling and kissing the ground, we lost the trail again. Chem forged ahead, I circled to the left. I spotted a cairn marking the trail, but as I approached, I realized someone had set a trap, placing the rock pile at the edge of a cliff. If we, anyone, had come upon it in the dark, they would have walked off into space. Horrified and angry, I began to dismantle the pile. And then from above, I heard two things. Kem shouting a single sharp curse, followed by a sound I had never heard before, but knew in every fiber of my body the unmistakable rattle of a rattlesnake." I rushed up, my heart pounding out of my chest. A rattlesnake had indeed suddenly appeared and coiled up at Kem's ankle. But she had jumped and run, pack and all, and the rattlesnake slithered away. The Hopi people, one of the tribes for whom the canyon is sacred, believe that the snake is a sign of transformation. To have a snake cross your path is unimaginable good luck. Kem was ecstatic, but I'd had it. Clearly, she had never watched Venom ER. As I sobbed, Kem exulted. And the year that came did indeed bring extraordinary transformation. Fear not. To conclude, here's one of my favorite stories of fear Courage and love. In the fall of 1968, the Pine Ridge Reservation's Lady Thorpes went to Lead, South Dakota to play a basketball game. Getting ready in the locker room, the Pine Ridge girls could hear the Lead fans yelling fake Indian war cries. The drill for the pregame warm-up is for the visiting team to run out onto the court in a line, take a lap or two around the floor, shoot some baskets, and then go to their bench at courtside. Then the home team comes out and does the same, and then the game begins. Usually, the Lady Thorpes line up for the entire entry more or less according to height, which means senior Donnie DeCory goes first. As they waited in the hallway leading from the locker room, the heckling got louder. The lead fans were yelling epithets like squaw and worse. Some were waving food stamps. The lead high school band joined in with fake Indian drumming and a fake Indian tune. Donnie DeCorey looked out the door and told her teammates, I can't handle this. Sue-Ann Big Crow, a freshman, 14 years old, quickly offered to go first. Donnie gave her the ball. Sue-Ann came running onto the court, dribbling the basketball, with her teammates running behind. She went right down the middle, but instead of running a full lap, she suddenly stopped at center court, and the noise of the crowd was deafening. Sue-Ann turned to Donnie and tossed her the ball. Then she stepped into the jump ball circle at center court, unbuttoned her warm-up jacket, took it off, draped it over her shoulders, and began to do the Lakota shawl dance. Sue Ann had competed in many powwows as a little girl. She knew all the traditional dances. The dance she chose is a young woman's dance, graceful and modest. Sue Ann began to sing in Lakota, swaying back and forth in the jump ball circle, doing the shawl dance, using her warm-up jacket for a shawl. The stands went completely silent. Later, a teammate said, all that stuff, the lead fans were yelling, it was like she reversed it. In the sudden quiet, all you could hear was Sue Ann Big Crow's Lakota song. Then she dropped her jacket, took back the ball from Donnie DeCorey, and ran a lap around the court, dribbling expertly and fast. The fans began to applaud. She sprinted to the basket, went up into the air, and put the ball through the hoop, with fans cheering loudly now. It was funny, Donnie DeCorey said, but after that game, which we won, the relationship between Lead and Pine Ridge was tremendous. When we played Lead again, the games were really good, and we got to know some of the girls on their team. Later, when we went to a tournament and Lead was there, we hung out with them, eating pizza together. We got to know some of their parents, too. What Sue Ann did made a lasting impression and changed the whole situation. We found out there are some really good people. In lead, in 1989, Sue Ann Big Crow led her team to a state A championship, making Pine Ridge the only Native American girls team to win a state championship in South Dakota. Fear not. Beloved spiritual companions, love is so much more powerful than fear. And fear and love cannot coexist. Let us choose love over fear. Listen for the angel's song. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward all people. Fear not.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.